Hello, and welcome to the Church on the Hill podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to join us live this Sunday at 500 Sands Drive in San Jose, California. Visit churchonthehill.com for service times and directions, and also to learn more about connecting, growing, and serving at Church on the Hill. Now let's join lead pastor Scott Simarok as he teaches at Church on the Hill. Some guy stuck me, some guy, his name is Frank, good guy, been around this church for a long time, stopped me in the lobby right before this, uh, this service started, and he said, Pastor Scott, I got to tell you, this rooted study is like, I mean, God's awakened my heart, I, I love coming to church, and like, something's so different right now, and so it was really fun to kind of hear his, his story, and so uh, just a quick question for you, has the rooted series been good for you? Good. Good. For those of you online, the cheering is deafening in the room right now. I can hardly hear myself think. All right. Uh, I know we're not one of those like feedback churches where you like shout stuff, but maybe we should be. Um, it's been good, right? The Rooted series. We're being rooted in the rhythms of the original church. Like the church was launched. It was birthed by the resurrection of Christ. And it was an exciting time, right? I mean, They got to witness this resurrection, but it exploded in numbers where all these people start giving their life to Jesus and start following him. I mean, it's this radical moment in the history of the world. But the church develops these habits and these rhythms, these practices. And so during the Rooted series, we don't just sit around and talk on Sundays about these rhythms. We're practicing them. You're getting together with your community group. You're talking about them and practicing there. So today, we're going to talk about this habit, this rhythm right here. Here it is. It's, it's, um, it's, it's generosity. I almost stumbled over it because I was like, well, how are they going to receive this? And they're like, ah, oh, pastor's going to talk about money. Kind of. I'm, I'm actually going to talk about what the Bible refers to as treasures, as stuff. It's things that we have, things that we own. We're just going to talk about this sacrificial generosity. So can we just start from the very beginning of this? Admit this. Money's a funny thing. It's just a funny thing. It does something funny inside of us. And the reality is this, like, contentment has nothing to do with how much we have. Have you met rich people who are content? Have you met poor people who are content? They're out there. Have you met rich people who are not content? If you met poor people who are not content, it has nothing to do with what you have. Contentment is a totally different uh, concept that doesn't really reflect how much we have. See, money's a funny thing. So let me make this clear right from the beginning. Ready? Um, This message is not designed to induce any guilt or any shame, okay? We'll get that right off the bat. I'm going to talk about some financial things, but I'm not going to ask you to give to anything today. I just want to talk about our hearts. So by the way, if there is any guilt today, it's not for me, it might live in you, it could be the Holy Spirit, but it's not me, all right? Today's message is not actually to isolate anybody. I don't want you to feel alone in this because everybody in the room here, we're funny about money. And honestly, we're weird about it, and so you're not alone. So we all admit this, we have a weird relationship with money, and all of us struggle with generosity. Because our lives, it's just human nature that we are focused on ourselves and our needs and our wants and our likes, right? So I'm just going to admit that for all of us. So here's what I want you to do this week. The rhythm is this, that we talk about it here on Sunday morning, then you open your rooted book during the week and you read about it, and then you go to a community group and you talk about it. 
Don't let isolation happen this week. You're like, I'm not going to a community group where they're talking about our treasure. Like, no, go, because someone in the group really needs your help. Maybe it's you, but don't isolate yourself, okay? So this is what this is not about. Let me tell you what this is to do. Today, I hope this message will do this. It'll raise hope in the room. I hope it'll raise hope in the room that you don't have to be a slave to money that you don't have to have this weird, awkward relationship with it. God promises that he will cover us, take care of us, provide for us as we put him first. Second thing, I want to give you permission today. I want to give you permission to not chase the things that everybody else is chasing. You don't have to be like them. You, You don't have to like go after what they're chasing so that you can have a peace that nobody else has. Because when we chase it, I I don't think there is a peace that lives in us. I'm hoping that gratitude rises today. And in all honesty, I'm hoping that generosity rises today. Because this is just my opinion. I think the funnest thing you'll ever be able to do with your treasures is give it away. I think the funnest thing you're ever going to do with money is give it to somebody else to be a blessing to them. Yesterday I was in Southern California and I'm helping my daughter... Courtney and her husband, DJ, move out of this condo that we just sold. And so they're kind of out. And we bought it when they were in, when she was in college and all their roommates, they, there was like, I don't know, a hundred girls that lived there all at one time. It was, yeah, slumlords of Azusa, you're looking at them. Okay. So we sold that. We were moving them all out. And instead of like trying to move all the furniture and stick it in my garage, which is already full of other treasures that I have, right? Too many. Well, like, let's just sell stuff. So Kelly gets in contact with this this gal, and she comes over to buy this table. And she shows up and she says, oh, I'm going to bring um, this handyman kind of guy in my community. Well, when they show up, um, we can tell from the first kind of text calls, conversations, like she's a believer. If you've been a Christian for a while, you've been around people, they start talking, you're like, you can just smell them out, right? She's, she's a Christian. And, and her friend that she's with, though, you can tell um, he's having a restart on life. Okay, you could tell he, he was, there's some things, rough kind of guy, really nice, but rough kind of guy. You could tell there was just a restart in his life. And uh, so she came over to buy this table. She bought this table and it, this guy had some needs. And so we're like, hey, um, could you use a coffee table? They look at each other. Yeah, we, 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 we could use a coffee table, sure. And uh, what about, a, what about a, a nightstand? Could you use a nightstand? Yeah, and she, I could see she's going like, well, how much is it? We're like, no, it's yours. It's free. If it'd be a blessing to you, then, then take it. I look at the guy, I'm like, could you use a bed? And he's like, yeah, take him in the room and like, like we could take it apart. It'll all fit in your truck. Let's do this. And so like, they're like, this is awesome. And she started walking through the place. She said, what about this? And what about this? I'm like, no, no, it's not a free garage sale. <laughs> but it was fun to be able to give away some of our treasure. Now, before I set myself up in a story pretending like that was sacrificial generosity and I was this amazing person, if I didn't give that away, I would have had to move it in a truck, store it, and put it in my garage, and that would be horrible for me. So it was not sacrificial generosity. It was selfish generosity. But can I tell you, that was the most fun I had yesterday. It was super fun to watch them just keep packing stuff in this truck and it's just maxed out at that point and they're driving away like we came for this table, bought it, but look at what we got. Like, you know what I love about it? 
I couldn't have planned that. I think God puts people in front of us that are actually divine opportunities to be generous with them. Even if it's selfish generosity, right? My story. I hope today that joy will rise. Because money, I think money can actually be fun. So this week in your rooted book, here's what you're going to do. You're going to open that up. And I've already read through all the chapters this week. Um, You're going to read an awful lot about how to handle money. So today, I'm not going to talk about the all right? Because you're going to read all the how-tos. I just want to speak to your heart. So I am not going to talk about the how-tos. Like, for example, the 10-10-80 rule. You know what the 10-10-80 rule is, right? When you first get a paycheck, you give 10% to God, and then you put 10% into savings, and then you live off of 80%. So I'm not going to talk about the 10-10-80 rule, because you're going to hear that during the week. I'm not going to talk about tithing. Not going to do it, even though I think I just did. I'm not going to talk about how tithing is actually in the Old Testament and it's actually in the New Testament and Jesus talks about tithing an awful lot. I'm not going to talk about how tithing is not actually the ceiling of giving, but it's the floor of giving. It's our starting place. I'm not going to talk about it, okay? So don't worry about that. And I'm not going to talk about debt, okay? So debt, just we'll take it off the table. Even though Proverbs 22.7 says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. The borrower, the person who owes is actually a slave to the lenders. But I'm not going to talk about debt because you're going to read about that this week in your rooted books. Okay? You okay? For today, I'm only going to ask this one question because it's really the question of the heart. And so we're just going to ask one question so that when this week you open your rooted book and you open your scriptures and you read about God's design for money and what it is and kind of the perils and the funkiness of it all, that we would just ask this one question today. Will our hearts be open to asking, God, what do you want to say to me about money, wealth, and possessions? That's it. That's the only question I want to ask today. God, what do you want to say to me about money, wealth, and possessions? With the assumption that like when he speaks to us, then we're going to do something about that. And we're actually going to follow and we really are craving. God, I want to know because you give us this promise that if we seek you first, your kingdom and your righteousness, that all these things will be added to us. Not necessarily in, in abundance. That's where the prosperity gospel goes wrong. But that he'll care for us. He'll meet our needs. Now, I know a lot of us, we don't think we're actually emotionally connected to our stuff, but I want to show you what Jesus says in this scripture. So open up Matthew chapter six, open your Bibles, digital devices, whatever you got. And as you're finding that, just a couple fun facts here. Uh, Did you know this, that Jesus discussed the topic of money more often than he talked about faith and prayer combined? Did you know that? Do you know that when Jesus taught, he typically taught in parables. There's about 40 parables in the gospels. Do you know that 11 of the 40 parables are about wealth or money? The rhythm of the early church, um, if you've been sticking with us through this, remember when they sold their property and then they brought it to the apostles and then so they could hand it to widows and anybody else who had a need? I mean, that was sacrificial generosity. Where'd they get that from? They actually got it from Jesus because he talked about it so much. And so we're going to go back to this story where Jesus is giving this message, this sermon, and we're going to kind of, there's a beginning to it and an end to it. This is kind of couched right in the middle of his message. 619. You got it? Let me read the whole thing to us and then we'll go through it. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth 
where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that light? Excuse me, how great is that darkness? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Pray with me. God, open our ears. Open our eyes. And would you open our hearts to what it is that your word says so that, God, we can live differently. Lord, I just want to declare that we trust that your word is actually for our benefit. So would you give us the courage to follow? And if you agree with that, would you say amen? All right, you said amen, that you agree. So here we go, God, our hearts are wide open. Question, what's the difference between a good investment and a bad investment? You don't have to be this, uh, this money guru to figure that statement out, right? A good investment is actually worth more at the end than when you started, right? Okay, you're amazed, I know, at the financial advice you're getting this morning. What's a bad investment? It's one that is worth less at the end than what you put in, and it might not just be worth less, it might be worthless. That's a bad investment. Would we all agree, right? So here it is. In your notes, the bad investments. Bad investments, they waste money on what won't last. That's where Jesus started this. The scripture says, do not store up, negative command, don't store up for yourselves, treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy. Some of your translations will read rust, destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. And then he gives the opposite command. But here's what you do. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus is describing, he starts with a bad investment. Why? Because it can be stolen, taken away, If you're going to put your time, your money, your effort behind something, it better not lose value or be taken from you in the end. It's what a bad investment is. If moths, vermin, rust, in that translation, can destroy something, it's going to be a bad investment. See, these are not complicated scriptures. They're super easy. I could preach this to an eight-year-old, and they'd be like, no, that makes sense. Now, here's some fun facts about what we invest in. And uh, 2,000 people were surveyed. Let me show you a couple slides. Here's the first one. Top 10 things we waste money on that we are willing to reduce. There's the key phrase. People are like, yeah, I'd be willing to reduce that. I get rid of that. Here it is. Eating out by far, like is on the right-hand side. Man, food is expensive today. Alcohol, credit card interest, electricity, cigarettes, which is just funny to me right there. Like you could shut the power off to my house, but don't take my cigs, man. Heating and air conditioning, unreturned items, convenience packaging, lottery, lottery tickets, or gambling. It's just funny, like, um, I, I'm willing to reduce electricity, credit card interest, uh, stop eating out, but man, man, lottery tickets, don't take my lottery tickets, right? Um, they, they changed the question. Here's top 10 things that we waste money on that we are not willing to reduce. <laughs> These are the non-negotiables, right? Don't just... I'm not doing this. Unex, uh, uneaten or expired food. Like, just don't tell me not to shop at Costco. 
It's a deal. I know I throw half of it out, but don't worry, it's a deal. Grocery items, hobbies, activities, entertainment, streaming services. By the way, there's apps, I know, I can't remember the name of them right off the top of my head, but uh, you know there's apps that will show you what you spend monthly on subscriptions to different things? And like, yeah, if I can remember the name of it or you get it, tell your community group and be horrified (laughs) together. Uh, Cell phones, tech gadgets, car gas, bottled water. I, I just show you that to say, do any of these resonate with you? They go, yeah, yeah, there are things that I know that are kind of wasteful. It's not a good investment. And, uh, but, but yeah, some of them are negotiable, but God, man, just don't, Jesus, keep your hands off this list, right? Maybe it resonates with you. They actually made another list. The difference between men and women. I'm about to get in trouble. Money wasters according to men and women. As you read through this, I'm not going to give you a lot of time. Uh, just let, let me um, point out a few of these. Uh, for women, their top three are all food. Men, your top second one is alcohol, right? Women's, that's a little farther down the list. Uh, it comes right before or right after the credit card interest. For ladies, that, that's higher than men's. And after that, apparently you need a drink because that's the next number. Men, uh, number seven is tech gadgets for you, which is funny because it doesn't even show up in the top 10 of the women. Tech gadgets, I guess it's not as big a thing. Women, clothes is number nine for you. Like, yeah, just money wasters, clothes, here we go. Men, it doesn't even make your list. Standing here this morning, seeing how some of you are dressed, it makes sense now. Some of you should go shopping. All right, take those off the screen. I know that's going to distract you if you leave it up there. Uh, What does the positive command mean but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven? I I tell you all of that to say, listen, I'm not shaming anybody for what we waste money on. Like, we waste money on all kinds of stuff, right? I mean, that's just the truth. We live in the richest nation in the world, and we're top-tier people in the world of of what it is that we have in wealth. uh, This is one of the only places in the world where you can have six-figure-plus income and still feel like you're barely making it, right? Silicon Valley. But Jesus, he makes this statement. He says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Um, what does that actually mean? I mean, if you had to write the answer to that, how do I store up treasures in heaven? First of all, it's safe because it's in heaven and a thief can't steal it from there and it's never going to diminish. It's never going to go away. Things in heaven are eternal. It's a lasting investment. So we know it's good, but specifically, how do you store up treasures in heaven? Can I state the obvious? Jesus doesn't answer that question. And I love it. You know why? It makes us have to search the scriptures for the things that God values. You know the number one thing God values? First of all, his honor and obedience to him. The second is people. Anything we can do to be a blessing to people, that's an eternal investment. What does God value? And so as you're reading in your rooted books this week, I'm not going to try to answer all these questions right now. I'm just throwing this out there. What does God value? And as you read, check it. He doesn't value debt. He doesn't value us thinking about our needs and our wants all the time. He just, he doesn't. So what does he value? As you read, is generosity one of his values? Is kindness a value, an investment? Is service to the poor? 
is village transformation. One of the things that we're about is that an investment that God loves is a friendship investment, a way to store up treasure in heaven. I think all of these are true, but in this context, Jesus is specifically talking about stuff, wealth, money, possessions. So he doesn't really answer his own question, but I think this story begs this question, God, what do you want to say to me about money, wealth, and possessions? And not about just everybody's money, wealth, and possessions, but what do you want to say to me about my money, wealth, and possessions? And then Jesus gives this principle. Here it is. This principle about money, he says, uh, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Again, this is, this is not complicated. Ready? Your heart follows your treasure. Your heart follows what you invest in. This is descriptive of human nature. Write the word down, descriptive. It just describes what it is that, that goes on inside of all of us. Wherever your money goes, all of a sudden you're interested in that. But I think what's really interesting, and I think it means this, like whatever you invest in, it's now going to occupy your mind and your thinking. It's going to occupy your headspace. And it's going to trickle down from the time you spend here in it to you now deeply care about it. Like, I never, I, I never really cared about that stock before, but ever since I bought it, I look at it, like, daily. Why? Because you put your treasure there. Now, this is descriptive. I think this is true. You ready? I think it can also be prescriptive. Prescriptive, meaning if you want to get somewhere, then start doing this. What I mean by that is if you want to care about the things that God cares about, if you want to understand his values, then start investing in it because your heart follows your treasure. Don't start giving when you feel like it. Start investing in God's kingdom and you will watch your heart grow towards the things of God. I don't think this statement for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't think it's just descriptive. I think it's prescriptive as well. If you want your heart to grow in these things, keep asking this question, God, what do you want to say to me about my money, wealth, and possessions? And just start acting on it. So um, I want to be really clear about this. When you show generosity, it might not benefit you all the time. Again, this is where the prosperity gospel goes wrong. It might just benefit somebody else. Our hearts will follow our treasure. And then verse 22, Jesus gives us the second piece of the puzzle. Here it is. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness... If the light starts to fade, if the darkness starts to creep in, if the light starts dimming a little bit, he just finishes with, how great is the darkness, exclamation point. It's kind of this fear-based warning, like, just be aware. If, if that light starts to fade, you don't want the darkness to grow in here. And so here's this very simple truth. I think this is his point. Your heart follows your eyes. Your heart will follow your eyes. What are you looking at, Amazon or the book of Acts? I, it's, it sounds a little, a little petty, and I love Amazon. Like, when you go on your computer, and it shows, like, Google, and you're, look, you're Googling something, it shows, like, the top eight things that you've been looking at. Man, Amazon is on all of my computers. Someone made this confession to me that during the pandemic, she said that she goes, man, it was, since we've been in lockdown at home, she, I can't stop shopping on Amazon. I was like, wow, this is weird. <laughs> but some of us, it's cathartic, it's therapeutic, it's addictive. 
because we're always thinking when I can't control my world around me, maybe, maybe, maybe I can buy something to feel better. When I get up in the morning, have coffee, and I grab my phone, I'll crack open the YouVersion app, and I'll read the Bible on my phone in the morning, but it's crazy. Like, my thumb is broken. Because when the YouVersion app is open pretty soon, I don't know how it happens. It's just super weird. Like, OfferUp opens up. You know what OfferUp is, right? You can buy someone else's stuff that they don't really want, so I can own it and then later sell it to somebody else because I didn't really didn't want it either. And then YouTube is open and Facebook is open. Like, I just have this weird inability to stay focused on God's word because I just have an appetite for all kinds of things with my eyes. So let me give you just four quick suggestions. Keep your eyes in God's word. I I know it's not amazing. That doesn't sound amazing, right? But what he's saying, whatever goes in your eyes will, uh, will go into your mind. It will filter into your heart and it will either give you light or darkness. It will either be good or bad. You cannot filter out all of the badness, all of the darkness that your eyes will see. On the drive home today, you will see something that will not be a blessing to you. It's just all around us. You will hear something. You will receive that darkness. But listen, in order for there to be light in here, you have to put your face, your eyes in God's word. The other is this. Keep your eyes on global poverty. This is why we're doing village transformation. This is why we we invest in Guatemala is because this, I want us to have exposure to global poverty. Because it changes our, 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 our worldview. It changes our perspective. We realize, oh my gosh, we are so rich in comparison. Keep your eyes on your neighbor. This is so ironic because usually when we look at our neighbor, we're like, wow, they got this nice or that nice or they have this. And, and like we're envious. I'm like, no, keep your eye on your neighbor. And what I mean by that is keep an eye on your neighbor for an opportunity to be a blessing to them. What do you have that they could use? What, what, what do they Maybe they need, and specifically, we're talking about stuff today. Money, stuff, things, possessions. But maybe they need a kind word too. I think that's an eternal investment as well. Here's the last one. Just uh, keep your eye on where your money goes. <laughs> when I was uh, training for triathlons, I, um, I had this app on my phone, and I entered into this app everything I ate. Try it sometime. It's horrible. It told me all the calories and it tell you all the sugar in, in what you're eating. And it, sometimes it's hard. You're like, I had four carrot sticks today. And like, boom, you got to enter everything, right? The whole point is for it to horrify you. I was, I was at the church the other day. Sorry, we're going to have a pastoral moment of confession to the church. So I went and had some blood work done, right? My A1C is a little high. Like, okay, I'm going to cut out some sugars. So this is kind of my new thing. I got to get rid of some sugars. I need to go back to that app probably. But, um, Last week, I think it was a, it was a Thursday, and um, I had a busy day. I was trying to hit some deadlines, so I was running around the church doing some stuff, and then I ran home for 45 minutes real quick, do some things there, came back, uh, finished my deadline, got into a meeting, and at the end of the night, like it was about 10 o'clock, I'm here at the church in the office, and I just realized in the last six hours, I had eaten like six chocolate chip cookies, two brownies, and washed it down with a Coke. Don't applaud that. That's terrible. If you're applauding, you're just making yourself feel better. Like, oh, there's another one of us out there. That's awesome. I think we should do this with our money. By the way, they're called budgets, (laughs) right? Take a look at what you actually spend. I think we should keep our eyes on that. And I'm hoping at some point that it actually makes us 
a little bit horrified. So here's where I'm at right now. Are we willing to admit that our hearts can be finicky when it comes to money? That we kind of gravitate towards what's in our best interest. Okay, if you're not willing to admit it, let's have a little fun here, a little experiment. Um, I need a dollar. Open your wallets and open your purses. You should be fearful when, like, the pastor starts with a line, like, open your wallets, open your purses. I need a dollar bill. Could you bring it to me real quick? Because if I walk out there, then nobody can see me and, like, yeah. Uh, Fantastic. Don't put your wallets away, by the way. Um, Rachel, thanks, thanks, thanks. One dollar. Right. And so you're giving this, right? Wait, wait, wait. Where are you going? going? Uh, So you're giving this to me, right? I mean, I'm not borrowing it. You're not getting it back, right? Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, By the way, before you go back, I'd love to give you that $10 bill and you just take that. And thank you for being willing to like give and a pastor in need is like, thank you. I appreciate that. Go. Yeah, we're done. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So good. So good. Um, Question. I need a $5 bill. I don't need to borrow a $5 bill. I just, I need a $5 bill. You're not going to get it back. So as soon as you have a $5 bill, bring it up to me. Okay. $5 bill. No one, no one carries a $5 bill. Don't Venmo me. It wrecks my illustration. A $5 bill? Oh, I got, oh, he beat you. Thank you so much. So this is mine, right? Yeah, okay. So this is my, you're giving it to me. You're not borrowing it. All right, thank you. Just, just to say thanks. There's a $50 bill. Thank you so much for your, like doing that. Thank you. I just, yeah, appreciate your generosity. No, it's good. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> before you put your wallets away, I need a $10 bill. I need a $10. Whoa! Woo! Are those track shoes? Because, wow, you got up here quick. $10. You just gave me a $50 bill. Wow. Well, I will, because I'm not borrowing. I'm taking it. So, hey, do, do me a favor. Wow, you just gave me 50 bucks. Okay, I'm going to put it in this. Um, I'm going I'm to take this. Um, yeah, it's actually one of the offering envelopes right here. So I, I wrote anonymous on here. And what is this for category? Village transformation. I did not set this up ahead of time. All these people, I did not, okay? Mike, would you put that in the offering basket for us and just write that back there in the box? Mike, way to go. Appreciate it. Some of you are sitting in your chair going, I'm super glad I didn't give him 10 bucks. Did any of you, for just a moment, think this? Wow, a dollar turned into 10 turned into 50. Now the pastor's asking for 10 bucks. He's going to give somebody a hundred bucks. Wow. I wish I had a 10. Let me push a little further. How many of you were like, man, if I had that 10, you already had it planned how you were going to spend it. The hundred dollars. I mean the extra 90, right? Cause you would have given me 10, hundred back, right? You already had, you were already picking where you were going to go eat lunch. Well, I was going to go to Del Taco, but why go to Del Taco when I can go to like you already had a spent because in your mind, all of a sudden you're like, oh, that would be good for me. Do, do you see this? Um, this whole illustration is about this. Money's funny. We got a funny relationship with it. That in a moment where generosity is requested, 
we, we somehow in the midst of it, a little bit of darkness just creeps in and says, well, what's in it for me? And we see somebody else do the right thing and they get blessed for it. And we're like, well, I'm going to do the right thing. And our intention is not to be generous or to bless God or to bless somebody else. Somehow in the midst of it, a little bit of darkness crept in to say, well, maybe God will then owe me and do this for me. Are you all with me right now? I just want to make sure that we understand that money's funny. And it's super hard for us sometimes to stay focused on this. Look at verse 24. We're going to wrap up with this. Because Jesus asks a question in verse 24, and his question is this. Who's in charge of your resources? He, he, he speaks this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The word money is mammon. It's this concept of like what you have that is valuable. It's a resource. It doesn't actually have to be money. You cannot serve both God and your stuff. The word for serve, it's actually the Greek word for slave. So he's saying this. You're going to be the slave of something. In this case, it's either going to be money or God. Who do you want to be your boss? Yeah, it's a rhetorical question, right? (laughs) It's God, but it's a fantastic, I love it. Someone answered it like, God. I, I love the fact that you answered it. Because of this, I think we read it and we go, well, yeah, okay. Maybe I'll answer that one day. Who's the master of what you have? Here's your options. Number one, you can be your own master. But what we just learned and what we just witnessed is that we can be finicky. We can let darkness creep in about what we have and what we want, and we put our needs first above other people's. Um, The second option you have about who's your boss is this. Your lender can be your boss. Literally, because your lender will tell you what to do with your money, and they tell us the same thing all the time. They say, pay me back (laughs) with interest. Literally, the scripture says, the borrower is slave to the lender. Now, I told you I'm not going to get into the how-tos. I get borrowing for owning a home. It totally makes sense, right? Particularly in this value where prices keep going like this, like, Best investment I've ever made in my my life other than the Lord Jesus Christ, all right? (laughs) But debt's a killer. It's an emotional killer. It's a financial killer. So you have an option. You can be your master. The lender can be your master. Or the third one is this. Have you submitted to God being the owner of absolutely everything? Is he your master? Is he the boss? And if you would ask him the question, God, What do you want to do with my money? The money that you've given me on loan. I'm just a manager. You're the boss. I manage it. I'm the steward of it. I'm the servant of it. I'm the slave of it. Whatever you tell me to do with it, I'm going to be obedient and do that with it. Have we given him that kind of authority in our life? And what Jesus is saying in this passage, and we don't actually believe it's true. Let me say that again. We don't actually believe what Jesus is saying is true. He's saying this, you can't have two bosses. And you're like, really? I can't do without money. See, we have to deal with it. But we struggle to live with it. I can't do without it. But I struggle not to let it become a dark thing in my life. A darkness of my heart. If we just start there and admit that. And then we say, God, 
We want you to be the boss. But we often think this. I can do both. I can call the shots. I can be the authority. And I can still pay attention to what the Bible says and occasionally try to make God happy with my money. And Jesus is just saying this. No, you can't. There's a darkness that will pervade in your heart. So we're asking this one question today, and we're going to wrap up with this. God, what do you want to say to me about money, wealth, and possession? And then act on what he shows you. Because I'm going to give you this promise. I didn't put it in your text. But if you read a little farther down at the end of his message, he talks about what you wear, the food that you'll eat, the shelter that that you need. And then he makes this amazing statement. Seek first his kingdom. Put him first. Seek first his righteousness, meaning obedience. Do the things the way God wants you to do them. Do what he tells you to do. As the scriptures reveal his truth and his values, stay in step with him. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And here it is. And all these things will be given to you as well. The necessities of life, God will care for you in it. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus, I think, is making this statement. And this is last right here. You cannot serve both God and the stuff that you have. So God designed it this way. God is our boss, and then you are the boss of your money. You're to stay in step with him. God is our boss, then you are the boss of your money to invest it in the things that will last, in the things that God cares about. And to do that, our treasure cannot be our boss. Final question, does God have your heart? Does God have your eyes? And does God have your ears so that he can speak to you about your money, your wealth, and your possessions? I'm gonna pray for you that this week as you open your rooted book and you read the scriptures that are associated to all of this, that as you're putting your eyes in God's word, that as you're reading that book, that as you're discussing them together, that as you are determining, God, where do you want me to invest? My prayer for you is that your ears, your heart, your eyes would be wide open. And if you want that, I'm gonna invite you to pray that too. You ready? Let's bow our heads for just a moment. God, thank you. Thank you that we can trust you. And we're just going to declare it right now, God, that that we trust you in everything that we have. You have been so generous with us. And Lord, I, I know this, that money has a lot of emotion in this room. Some of it is guilt, shame, but some of it is just, um, uh, there's people that are in need in this room right now. And Lord, we want to walk with them and you want to supply for them and maybe you'll use us to do that. And I want to thank you for the generosity of people in this room, but Lord, Just because we were generous once, twice, or three times, or we live for a decade with generosity, there's no guarantee that our hearts might grow a little dim and dark. So God, we want to stand in a fresh new way today to say, God, everything I have is yours. And would you open my heart and speak to me that I might walk in your ways. And if you want that freshness from God, would you simply say, amen.